0: Merry Christmas from Drew and the entire Relevant Radio family. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
1: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, an early Mary... Christmas to you. We'll hopefully, I'll be with our families tomorrow. That was a uh, reading from the Gospel of Luke, and uh, I just love this time of year. It is indeed a—it's a time of great miracles, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, uh, so much going on uh, when it comes to the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of uh, archaeological and historical evidence behind the the birth of Christ. Some people have looked at this as though it's a it's a myth, you know, the biblical telling of the Nativity. Uh, if you dive into that, and it's well worth reading, I, I think it's a fascinating story. Um, it references, it gives descriptions, right, of very specific places and customs that match up to the time period. And every year, this time, you know, around Christmas, um, we, we see skeptics. We see this at, at Christmas and, and, of course, you know, during Christmas. Um, Holy Week, I mean, you'll see a million television shows and stuff questioning the resurrection or finding a new ossuary or something that proves that Christ was in a relationship with Mary Magdalene. You you know how crazy it gets. Uh, We live in a secularized culture. The West has become very secularized, and uh, maybe it's due to, I don't know, the association with a fictional Santa. I mean, many people look at the nativity almost as a fictional story. You know, and without belief, without belief in the incarnation, you know, without that theology, you know, I I, I can get it. It might be hard to accept shepherds and visions of angels and kings traveling far and wide to visit a baby and angels in the sky and a virgin birth. I mean, yeah, it does take faith. But uh, a lot of people will write write off the gospel accounts of the nativity. Uh, They likely may not realize that the, the two earliest records of Christ's birth, actually written by very reliable sources. Matthew spent years following Christ and he benefited from, I'm sure many first hand stories. And Luke was a a historian who carefully investigated the claims of the apostles by speaking to the people who were present for a lot of these events and the biblical telling of the nativity, Um, and, and Luke's narrative of it is just absolutely beautiful. It contains all these historical connections and these descriptions of specific places and customs that match, uh, the time period. Um, you know, there's a lot of arguments against it. There's a lot of rebuttals to those. But I, I thought, hey, let's talk about it today. I mean, what do we know about the historicity of Christ's birth? Is there evidence that, that proves that Jesus was born in, in Nazareth? And what archaeological discoveries have been found that, you know, that point to that? Um, you know, the Church of the Nativity um, in Bethlehem is one of the Christians' holiest sites. It's built over the place where Mary and Mary gave birth to to Jesus, and um, ever since the Emperor Constantine and his mother uh, commissioned the church, I think it was 327, pilgrims began to journey to Bethlehem, the the birth site of Christ, and um, over the centuries, that church has really fallen into uh, great disrepair, and I know over the last eight years or so, millions of dollars have been put into the restoration of the church of the nativity but it's believed right there that christ was born it gets i think something like two and a half million visits from tourists every year of course a pandemic has impacted everything but you know i plan to to go there in the coming year as well and and pray and i'd love to pray with you of course for you i'm joined this afternoon by somebody who can shed some light on some of these mysteries give us some insight in this holy time of year he's been a longtime friend of relevant radio and in particular the show he's executive editor right now at ewtn news and the faculty chair of the catholic distance university where he teaches church history and uh, it's a delight to have dr matthew Bunsen with me he's authored probably over 55 books i never get them amount of books that he wrote uh, you know, accurately it's just i marvel at how how many he's put out but it's always good to hear his voice and doctor it's a delight to have you here an early merry christmas to you
0: same to you and a very blessed advent it's a joy to be with you again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, boy. Time flies. I'm so grateful for your contribution <laughs> over the over the years. Uh, you know, you've done so much for the show and for for the network and for for the church in general. It's Just great to have you here with us. You know, I just thought we dive into this today as we take a look at the the birth of Christ. I mean, so often there are a lot of skeptics out there who point out ah, this can't be possibly true. What, what evidence do we have of the existence of the places that Christ was born or the people who reigned, or you know, what do we have? Uh, take us through that, if you could, doctor, as to the the authenticity or the reality of the birth of Christ. And, and and I don't know what your best guess is. I know there's no accurate date for the birth of Christ. Is it, mm-hmm. you know, one A.D.? Is it four B.C.? Six B.C.? Seven B.C.? There, there's a lot of different theories on that. But I'd love to get your sense on when Christ was born and and what we know historically about about the birth.
0: Well, you're asking a, a series of. Superb questions, uh, especially today when people are uh, challenging uh, Catholics and Christians uh, about uh, not just uh, the date of when Christ may have been born, uh, what year he might have been born, but they're actually challenging now, as you well know, uh, did Christ even exist is one of the questions that they ask. Is he purely an invention? And obviously the existence of of Jesus Christ is uncontestable in terms of the historical record, in terms of what we know from the archaeology. We have so many references from uh, Roman historians alone, I think of Suetonius and Tacitus and others, that uh, that you really can't call into question. But it does leave uh, a lot of questions that uh, we are asked as believers uh, about uh, what sort of historical record there is of the birth of our Lord. What archaeological evidence there is, and then the, the two other questions that I just referenced. The one is uh, how could we possibly know that he was born on December 25th? Is that true? Does it matter? And the other is what year he was born? All of those things are important because our Lord lived. He lived in history. And for us, of course, uh, he is eternal, he is an incarnation of God in history. But this historical record is valuable for us to reflect on. Uh, But let's also remember that the Gospels are not intended to be historical works. Uh, Mm -hmm. These were not written by historians, but they were written by the Gospel writers themselves, I think in particular, as you noted, Matthew and Luke. Luke in particular is important to any discussion because uh, this is a Gospel intended largely for a Gentile audience. But this is also written by somebody who we know, based on the long traditions of the Church, who knew the Blessed Mother and was therefore privy to her recollections, her details of the birth and life and death and resurrection of her son.
1: You know, Luke, uh, who wrote that Nativity Narrative, um, what was, did he end up going to Ephesus with her? Is that where, did he take care of the Virgin Mary in the end? How, how did that work out?
0: Well, yeah, by tradition, John? he had a, a longstanding relationship of, of uh, affection with the Blessed Mother. What I mean by that is that mm-hmm. uh, he certainly relied on her and knew her uh, to be able to provide so many beautiful details of, that found their way into the gospel. And, of course, we have our Lord entrusting uh, the Blessed Mother to John from the cross, uh, Behold Your Mother. But uh, Luke provides so many rich details that the friendship that must have existed between Luke and the Blessed Mother really comes to light uh, when you read things, for example, like the infancy narratives in in Luke and the the beautiful details uh, that... He's able to provide just the one little line, for example, relating to the census. And that's a a source of some controversy, of course, when that might have happened under uh, Quirinius, the governor of Syria. But he has these details, uh, including, of course, going from the town of Nazareth to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, uh, as well as, of course, the effort to register with Mary and then uh, our Lord being born in a manger As he writes, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Those are the kinds of beautiful, rich details that he could only have received from uh, the Blessed Mother. And then, of course, there's the whole portion in there in in Chapter 2 of of Luke, in which we have the angel appearing uh, to the shepherds, keeping their flocks at night. And then we have, relating to that, the question, the challenge that is often made is, well, how is it possible that this could have happened in winter because uh, you don't graze your flocks in winter. And yet we know that that actually does take place, uh, that uh, it was more than likely that the shepherds would have been with their flocks, even in winter. It's a practice that continues even down to today. So point by point, detail by detail, we know that there is a historical record, but there's also an internal logic that exists in why the Christians from very early on in the history of the church gave this date as they did and have honored it ever since.
1: How does it tie in? I don't know whether you can answer this or not, to the uh, the census that was, you know, claimed or was, it was declared, and then ultimately, uh, you know, the life and the death of Herod. Does that place Christ's birth at a specific window of time, and, and what year do you think he was actually born? And, and we're, I'm well, assuming, based on what you just said about the shepherds, it would be December, Right. Yes. So
0: well, December... it, it, now
1: let's go ahead. Sorry, doctor. Go, no, you over the head.
0: Well, I was going to say that uh, let's remember that this is that the December 25th is a date that has been attached to the birth of our Lord from very early on. We can deal with that a little bit more. Uh, there have been over the centuries, especially in the early church, uh, certain efforts to provide a date. Now, the, the we can safely say that the earliest of Christians, Christians, especially during the persecutions, we're talking about Christians in the 3rd century leading into the 4th century, do not necessarily focus that heavily on when uh, this is celebrated. Having said that, uh, we do see a number of efforts uh, to attach some kind of a date. So we can see even in around 200 Clement of Alexandria, so that in Egypt at least, uh, that date was given to May 20th. We also have a date in March that's uh, added in in one of the calculations. But we begin to see, especially as early as the late 2nd century, that uh, someone like Theophilus uh, Hippolytus, who was in the mid-3rd century, begin focusing on December 25th. And then by the time of the 4th and 5th century, we see widespread belief and attestation that December 25th is the date. And that becomes, I think, important because we're looking at very ancient traditions that would have helped attach that time. Now, there are a variety of efforts to figure out when exactly that happened uh, and how we would be able to reach uh, the actual December 25th. But really what it comes down to uh, is that this was the date that was attached very early. And it was a clear intent to celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Now, not so fast, uh, some would say. Isn't this actually just uh, uh, Christians trying to take over a pagan holiday? And the the most common one that's listed for this is the feast of, or the the day of Saturnalia, which is a pagan holiday. Uh, It was actually dedicated to the, the, the Roman god Saturn. Well, the answer to that is that Saturnalia did actually exist in December, but it was celebrated by the Romans from December 17th to the 23rd. So this was not some sort of co-opting of the date. Uh, Rather, it was a pre-existing pagan holiday that had actually no connection with Christmas. The other date that is often given that somehow the the Christians took over or tried to uh, Christianize uh, is uh, the feast or the candidate, the day of Sol Invictus, which means literally the unconquerable sun, which was actually celebrated on December 25th. But this is where it gets pretty interesting, because that was first celebrated, not early in Roman history, but later, uh, probably as, as late as the time of Emperor Aurelian in the middle of the third century, by which time we already had Christians attesting to December 25th as the birth of our Lord. No,
1: so what year are you looking at? Is it uh, one BC, four BC, three BC? Where any idea? Well, this is
0: actually, yeah. Uh, the The specific date uh, or the year uh, is one of those other really interesting questions. Uh, it becomes uh, especially interesting because you have in Luke so many rich details. We have, for example, uh, that Herod, uh, that the Great, was still alive. Now. We can guess that Herod probably died probably around 4 B.C., but we also have some who say 1 B.C. That's really key for us to stay focused on, because there is so clear a record in the Gospels of the presence of Herod, including the massacre of the innocents, uh, his interactions with the, the Magi. And then we have that census that also happens. Uh, So this is uh, another question mark that emerges uh, because how do we sort of coordinate everything? We have a census under a Roman governor named Publius Quirinius, who is a Roman governor of Syria, but then we also have uh, the time around King Herod, which would be 4 BC. So we have a census that is generally thought to have been held in 6 AD, or what they call now Common Era, but we refer to it as A.D., I think, uh, in, in a more traditional way. So what what's the intersection there? So we know we have a window then as to when our Lord might have been born. That would be anywhere from 4 B.C. to 6 A.D., but the general considered opinion, I think, uh, and this is uh, research done by scholar after scholar, uh, I think we can really attach it to 1 or 2 B.C., and I know that uh, many of your listeners would probably have strong disagreements with that. Uh, but I think that gives us at least a window.
1: No, I love it. Well, it, It's fascinating. It, it really is. There's, there's a lot of evidence that points to the birth of Christ and even, even that particular window in time. Doctor, I'm always uh, glad to have you on the air with us. Uh, you only have about a moment or, or two left. Uh, anything you want to recommend before we go? Any good reads or anything you're working on right now that you think is, uh, is worthy to get people plugged into?
0: Well, I, I would first encourage everyone to uh, go to uh, ncregister.com, which has uh, always has some really interesting articles about uh, Christmas. Uh, Edward Penton last year did a, a great interview with a couple of Italian scholars who have been trying to date uh, the birth of our Lord. And then uh, you can always find that, uh, in different locations, including uh, at the Register and elsewhere, uh, real information from the the uh, Catholic scholarly perspective about uh, the archaeology, the historical mm-hmm. evidence behind the birth of our Lord, That we really need to be focused on that, not to get caught into the trap of, of trying to defend just that, but sure. to help people understand uh, the history behind this and how that is a gateway to our deeper understanding of our Lord, which is an enterprise that all of us should be engaged in.
1: So, you know, I know there's been archaeological discoveries in Magdala, the home of Mary Magdalene, and a lot of other things point right. to Christ in those encounters. But but what about you know, Nazareth, Bethlehem? Um, are there findings recently or new findings of that? I, I I heard a story the other day on the news, too, that they found, again, this doesn't date back to the time of Christ, but there was a um, an image of... An old, uh, there was a ring found, uh, yeah, I think That's off the right. coast of Israel, it was, it was a Roman ship that sank, and they found a uh, a ring with a young shepherd carrying a lamb over his shoulders mm-hmm. on it. But what, what kind of archaeological Good shepherd, uh, reports are coming up?
0: Well, yeah, you're right. The Good Shepherd is one of the earliest of the
1: beautiful images
0: of our Lord that found their way into sort of the iconography of the era. And it was a way of uh, portraying our Lord as that good shepherd and how beautiful it is that here we are talking about the, the, in the infancy narratives in Luke, the, the role of the shepherds and the birth of our Lord. So all of these little pieces of evidence have this cumulative weight of maybe vindicating uh, not just the biblical record, but the great historical tradition of the church of Christianity in that claim. And we know uh, that uh, the biblical record becomes more vindicated uh, with each excavation, Uh, in particular in the area around Nazareth. uh, We have a lot of evidence uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, I I think you and I have both been to uh, the magnificent church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Uh, And let's not also underestimate the importance of the traditions that have been passed down for 2,000 years. Uh, That is unbroken as a record in exactly the way that we note the unbroken record of the papacy, of of that beautiful history of the papacy, of the unbroken line of popes. Here, too, we have this unbroken legacy of faith uh, that we find there. And in that sense, too, uh, that is something that we can rely
1: on. I love it. Hey, doctor, thank you. Thanks for being here. I hope you have a blessed and very Merry Christmas. I'm assuming you're spending D.C. Or are you going to visit family?
0: Uh, uh, visiting uh, here in D.C. with family. So be assured That's of my great. prayers well, and, and uh, every, all of your listeners.
1: Thank you. Enjoy your time with your family and uh, be assured of our prayers as well. That's Dr. Matthew Bunsen. She said check out NC Register. Say a prayer for him. I'll be back with more. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com/forester.
0: This, this is Christ, the King, whom shepherds guard.
1: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, a blessed Advent and an early Merry Christmas to you. It's so good to be here with you this afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I thought today on the Eve of uh, Christmas Eve that we could uh, we could take a look at some of the great mysteries regarding the birth of Christ, in particular the Virgin Birth. And what do we know about what happened on that? Uh, whole December night, you know Mary. The church teaches is a virgin before, and during, and after giving birth to Jesus. And the virgin birth, of course, is a is a dogma of our faith. And uh, Dr. Mark Miravalli, who's been a long time friend of the program, one of the nation's leading Mariologists, a prolific author, and a good friend, he joins us today to take a look at this. Uh, this incredible moment in salvation history. And Doctor, it's great to have you with us. Blessed Advent to you. Happy and merry uh Christmas to you. I know it's a little bit early for that, but I don't think we'll be talking beforehand. So <laughs> good to have you.
2: Now, thank you, Drew. It's always a pleasure. And 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 right back at you. It is an incredibly blessed season, isn't it? And it's just leading to its its glorious incarnational climax. So it's it's wonderful to be with you and, and our listeners.
1: A lot, lots of grace. So much to talk about. And I thought, and if, if you want to join us too, by the way, I'll open the phones. We have about 30 minutes left. If you got a question regarding this, maybe you're Catholic, maybe you're not, you want to get in, get some clarity, it's 888 914 And we can talk about all sorts of things. There are mystics like like uh, the Venerable, she might even be blessed now, and Catherine Emmerich who had visions of the birth, uh, St. Faustina, Padre Pio, so many saints glimpsed this moment in time. What happened that night? What do we know? What was the role of Saint Joseph and all of that? What about the Virgin? So, Doctor, let's start with with Our Lady. Um, she was a virgin before, during, and after birth. Um, many believe that it was a miraculous birth that the Virgin did not experience the the pains of childbirth. And uh, I, I don't know who it was that wrote it. was like sun, like you know, like light passing through a, a crystal glass, you know. Uh, that light getting through that glass, not broken. Um, hey, bring us back in time. Give us a little theology here. Help us better understand uh, spiritually and significantly. You know what happened?
2: Yeah, great, Drew. And of course, we always start with the teachings of the church. And as you well articulated, once again in manifestation of your cyber-mirological <laughs> PhD, quoting the dogma correctly. And I know you had Pope Martin the first and six forty nine on the tip of your tongue too. But I just I that interrupted. Was yeah, sorry about that was <laughs> Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so with the Declaration of Pope Martin I at the First Lateran Council, he specifies three aspects of Mary's virginity, and and they're all critically important. Uh, One is Mary's virginity before the birth, which we have, of course, in the Creed. She's she's born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And then the third aspect is her perpetual virginity that Mary... uh, never had relations with Joseph, and had no other children. And uh, that tends to get more attention than what we're going to talk about today, Drew, because, you know, the the Greek word for brothers of the Lord is adelphos, adelphoi, mm-hmm. which means brothers, cousins, near relatives. Um, and sometimes people get caught up with the words before and until. It's Matthew one eighteen yeah. and one twenty five saying, well, you know, if you're saying they had no relations before, it it, it necessitates they had relations after. It's simply not what the word means, and it's not what the word means in scriptures. There's several examples. So most people focus on her perpetual virginity, but they miss the second aspect, which is her virginity during the birth. And the church has always taught, and in fact, the early fathers of the church articulate this over and over and over, that at the appointed time, Jesus left the womb of Mary in a miraculous fashion. That is to the special intervention of God, that uh, there was no violation to Mary's physical virginity, uh, her physical virginal seal. You know, Pius XII wisely said, look, don't get overly biological when you're talking about the reverence of Our Lady. And so I, I certainly don't want to cross that line either. But we're talking about a supernatural protection of Mary's physical virginity, which is a sign and symbol of her perfect interior virginity, Drew. And so, you know, St. John Paul II made famous the theology of the body, the body expresses the person. And so some might say, well, who cares whether Mary's physical virginity is protected? Why was that worth a miracle? And the answer is because, first of all, to be the perfect mother and the perfect virgin, expect miracles. I mean, ponder that for a little bit. How are you going to be the perfect mother and a perfect virgin, Without God's miraculous intervention, but secondly, Mary's physical virginity is a physical sign. It's, an, it's a bodily expression of her pers- perfect interior virginity, her perfect discipleship of Jesus Christ. So it's extremely important, and that's why uh, Leo, the Thir- Leo the First, back in uh, 450, says Mary uh, gave birth to Jesus with her virginity intact, just as she conceived Jesus with her virginity intact. And St. Augustine, St. Thomas, St. Jerome, um, Lumen Gentium 57, the Second Vatican Council, the Catechism 449, all talk about how the birth of Jesus did not diminish Mary's virginal integrity, but sanctified it. So the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ is an essential part of the dogma of her virginity. And of course, Drew, and I I mention this with all due respect, don't expect Hollywood theology to get everything right and i mean that in terms of you know well-intended depictions of of jesus and mary i I haven't been following uh the chosen i don't have a television or or internet but i mean or or cable but um you know evidently the the chosen did not as i heard one author say uh did not you know uh, relay this miraculous birth well of course it didn't um only expect a Catholic script writer and a Catholic production right. w- with Catholic funding to get that stuff right. So right. you appreciate the good that's there, but don't expect Hollywood theology to match authentic Catholic teaching. It's it, it oftentimes not going to happen. It's going to fall short.
1: Yeah, that's such a great, great point. Um, Saint Joseph, what was his role in in all of this? Where was he? You know, I was reading a little bit about the uh, l- little bit of the writings of the Venerable Anne. She Venerable or Blessed? I, I think she was up for beatification. She's blessed now. Yeah, she's blessed. Blessed now. Anne Catherine uh, Emmerich, and um, you know, of course, she has these. Uh, Mel Gibson used you know her revelations for the Passion of the Christ and what we have there. But she also was given these visions of the Nativity. Um, what do we know from the mystics, and, and, and ultimately, you know, what do we know? What was St. Joseph's role? What went down that night?
2: Right, right. And so w- what's good to do, Drew, when we refer to the mystical tradition, and, and again, just for our clarity, the mystical tradition is not the magisterium. So uh, you're, we're not saying a particular series of visions has the same rank as, as papal teaching, of course. Uh, at the same time if, if you 're talking about you know ten or fifteen saints or mystics or blesseds um, and they all are saying the same thing in revelations they were reporting from god there 's a pretty good credibility there and, and that 's what 's generally mm-hmm. referred to as the mystical tradition so in that note, drew, the mystical tradition consistently portrays it this way that that uh, jesus that the, uh, Joseph and Mary are in a cave uh, some form of of a cave and um Joseph is off to the side. He's trying to build a little fire, and then he, he, he you know, dozes off. And what happens with Our Lady is that there's great light surrounding this, this nine-month uh, you know, pregnant uh, virgin woman. And after the light, the next flash, if you will, the next scene is the baby Jesus is in her arms. And at, only at that point does St. Joseph come over And really, I'm I'm so glad you bring up uh, St. Joseph, Drew, because St. Joseph is the first, after Our Lady, to do Eucharistic adoration, right? He's the first to adore the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Now, it's not in the Eucharist, but it's his real body and blood and soul and divinity. So, I mean, talk about the awe of the sanctity of St. Joseph, that he would be there uh, when God made man would enter history and and be born— but in this beautiful, miraculous way. And that's why it's typically referred to as a a birth of light. Um, You you rightly say, as as the Council of Trent in its catechism says, it's like light passing through glass. The light doesn't harm the glass, Uh, but it it goes through. And and other images are how Jesus left the the, the closed tomb without, uh, you know, destroying it and and also getting into the upper room. Uh, So, too, did Jesus enter uh, human history uh, without violation to Mary's virginal integrity.
1: Let's do this. We'll grab a quick, call, a couple of quick calls. The number here, if you want to get in, triple eight nine We'd love you to join the conversation. Christian is uh, driving and listening in Portland, Maine. Hey, Christian, good afternoon. Oh, hi. How are you? We're well. Nice hey, can you him. hear me? Go right ahead. We can, yeah. Go uh, right ahead. I, I, I love your show, by the way. Thank you so much for it. Uh, my you. question. I appreciate that. Uh, my my my
3: question is, I'm actually uh, Russian Orthodox, um, converted my wife's uh, from Belarus, and uh, oh, the veneration sweet. of Mary is something that is uh, kind of perplexing to me, and I'm curious to know what the what the footing is that she didn't have any more children, given that there seem to be intimations that she did, and, and if I may, I had a follow up. Uh, or I could just ask it now, and the follow-up
2: question. Uh, uh, sure, go ahead and ask it now. We'll, we'll take them. We'll take them together. Thank you.
3: Oh, okay, so this is a kind of off-off-the-wall question, but I remember you guys were talking about the UFO alien topic a few days ago, and I know a lot of people think that the Star of Bethlehem might be a, like you know. You hear it in this in the UFO circles. This that there's a, a ship you know, that was leading these men or something. You hear these kind of different things. And I wanted to mention that a lot of people don't know that there's a, a Christian researcher named Joseph Jordan, or Joe Jordan, uh, who belongs to MUFON, and he found over 500 cases of alien abductions where people called on the name of Jesus Christ and the abductions were ended. And yep. this has been covered up by the organization that researches this, top, this topic because it doesn't fit in, into the normal agenda that they they want to say, which is that there are aliens from other planets. And uh, that's sort of well, tangential, yeah. but I just wanted to mention that yeah. because uh, – uh,
1: Christian, yep. uh, you know, I'll let Doctor Maravally respond to the first part of your question. We'll, we'll hit on the second too. Doctor, I, I find the second part really I- intriguing too because, you know, we both have a mutual friend—a friend, a guy named Michael Brown. Uh, he wrote a book recently. Oh, I forget the name of the title of this, but but he also makes that case that he he argues that many of these um, UFO sightings are actually, you know, demonic deceptions. That Satan is a fallen angel, an angel of light, and former angel of light, and can certainly manifest and. Quite often, when people are met by these entities and they call upon the name of Christ, uh, they're, they're forced to, to vanish. But I don't know if you can speak to that at all. You know anything about that? And then we can circle yeah. back to Christian's earlier question.
2: Yeah. Well, let me let me make reference. I mean, clearly, um, I mean, there's there's nothing that's against the faith in believing in a UFO in terms of aliens. Uh, there's just nothing really scientifically that's that substantiates that at this time, and especially, um, you know. Jesus is the universal redeemer. He redeems everyone. And so the idea, um, you know, that I think the burden of proof remains uh, lacking in terms of being able to establish that there are aliens. Now, having said that, the part two is certainly uh, uh, Satan is a, is a fallen creature. He, ha- he can manipulate nature. And there certainly could be, you know, a, a diabolical elements contain, contain, you know, uh, involved with some of these sightings and whatnot. But, you know, more, more to, I think, our point here, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't attribute uh, a, a spaceship to the guiding star of the three wise men. I, I, again, I, I think the burden of proof uh, would be on, on having to make that case. And I think it was a star directed by God directing these three saintly men who were not Christian um, and not Jewish to, to follow uh, this, uh, this and leaving their kingdoms in a certain sense. But, you know, I just want to say a quick uh, shout-out for the great love of Our Lady among our Orthodox brothers and sisters. I mean, it's really extraordinary Extraordinary with our Russian Orthodox brothers and sisters, our, our Greek Orthodox. Um, and, and you can tell as soon as you walk into one of their churches, because there's a big icon of Our Lady, and oftentimes when the priest is giving his homily, he mentions Our Lady, he, he leans over and, and looks to her. But, but to, your, to your first reference, Christian, in fact, um, both biblically in a proper understanding of the word adelphos when it talks about the brothers of jesus um especially in light of the word brother in other dimensions you know who is my mother who are my brothers who are my sisters everyone who does the will of 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 the father is sister mother brother well that's either one massive big blood family or you're using it analogously Uh, and that's where the the word is used even in the hebrew and the greek in the old testament so There's there's no evidence that quite the contrary. Mary says, how would this be since I know not man? And St. Augustine says, why would Mary say that if she didn't have a vow of virginity? Because she was in marriage part one. It's not like she doesn't know where babies come from. So there's there's a a, a reference to a vow of virginity, and that's because Jesus would be the firstborn and the onlyborn uh, as the father would have Jesus as a firstborn and onlyborn. So, uh, from the beginning, Mary's perpetual virginity has been greatly defended, both in the East, from which we have the Orthodox tradition, uh, and as well from the from the Latin West.
1: Yep. All right. Hey, Christian, thanks. I appreciate the call. I, I hope that helped. That, yeah, All No, right. thank
3: you yeah, so have much. A, have a great, it, All
1: right, have a great like... Christmas. Have a great Christmas. You too. No Thanks. Uh, I know he was driving. His signal was breaking up a little bit there. Uh, David, Miami, Florida. You are on deck. Hope you're enjoying some nice weather there. Uh, if you want to get in, my guest, Doctor Mark Miravalli, We only have a few minutes left in our broadcast today, but it's always good to answer your questions and well celebrate and take a look at some of the great mysteries of this this holy time of year. The number for you: triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. You can call now and get in and. Uh, Join the conversation. 914 eight nine one four-9149. We're back with more right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, blessed Advent to you and a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a joyful time wherever you'll be. I hope you can be with your family and... I know the pandemic the past couple of years have really uh, made it difficult for a lot of people, and um, you know, it still may cause separation. You, know, you don't want to make somebody you love sick, so, so be careful. Uh, let's pray for an end to this pandemic. I, I think we should turn to Our Lady in particular to do that, ask her intercession, especially at this time of year. I think prayer resonates through her in an incredibly powerful way. and You know, God clearly, um, it was part of His divine plan, His divine design. Uh, for some reason, he chose a, a young girl, a virgin, to uh, to bring his son into the world. It's all part of this great salvation history, uh, story. And I'm joined today by Dr. Mark Bavale, who's a, a great theologian and Bariologist. Uh, and, Doctor, let me start with that question, if we could. Then we'll jump back into the phones, take a couple calls from around the country. Um, just sit back thinking about that question. I mean, God could have done anything, you know, he could have instantly remedied the, the problem with original sin and with Adam and Eve, he could have allowed Christ to come down in glory. I mean, there's all sorts of ways this could have been remedied. but instead he chose Christ to be born, uh, in a very humble fashion through a, a you know, a, a sinless virgin. Um, I, I'd love your insight on that.
2: Yeah, Drew, I mean, remember, um, Adam didn't have a mother right? And so God could have given Jesus, God the Father could have given the, the Word, His human nature, without a mother. Why did He choose to use a, a human woman? Because it screams the importance of human cooperation with the working of God. I mean, Mary's yes allows the Redeemer of the universe to enter human history. Well, that's telling us That God wants us to participate in this great work of the redemption. Uh, You know, St. Augustine says it beautifully. He says, God created us without us, but he can't save us without us. So that's why this Christmas is also a time to spread the truth of Jesus. Christmas is always kind of quintessentially evangelical. And and by that, I simply mean, you know, Mary's yes brings us the Redeemer. That's why she's been called the human co-redemptrix for eight centuries we too drew have to be co-redeemers with christ we do both in, in word and, and, and most of all in witness uh testify to the truth that, that god has become man in christ and so along with the celebration of christmas we have to be concerned about our witness as catholics and our witness both in terms of what we say and what we do our smile our joy our mercy to one another testifies that God did become man. And so we are called to cooperate during this Christmas season in being witnesses of the faith so that more people can join the one holy Catholic and apostolic church in virtue of Jesus, in virtue of Mary, and in virtue of us.
1: A beautiful explanation. David in Miami, thanks for your patience. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air with Dr. Amir Hello. Hey, David, go right ahead. Yeah, Yeah, I
3: just want a question about the um, Matthew 1 25 says, Joseph
2: knew her not till after. So it suggests, I think, that Joseph knew her after, um, you know, uh, she gave birth to Jesus. Right. And also some other, uh, other uh, in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes talks about uh, man comes, by, you know, into the, this world no other way. So how did the Catholic Church get around those scriptures?
1: All right, great. Yeah. And, and, Doctor, that ties into the earlier caller, too, who... Asked about you know perhaps the brothers of, of Christ you know um, so your thought on that how do, how do you get around the fact that Joseph and Mary weren't intimate and had additional children
2: right uh, so so two elements let's go to Matthew one eighteen and Matthew one twenty five uh, the, the the words are used before and until so we can check other references of scripture or we can check Webster's dictionary because the words before and until simply establish what has not yet taken place? So, for example, Second Samuel 6, uh, 3 talks about Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children until the day of death. Well, does that imply that, uh, that Solomon's daughter had a child after she died? Well, of course not. That's not what the words mean. So the confusion comes with the reference of, of the brothers of the Lord, as we talked about a little earlier. Uh, the Hebrew word is ak, and even um, in its usage in the Old Testament, uh, between Abraham and um, and Laban, uh, excuse me, between Jacob and Laban, the the, the relationship is a relationship. It's called Ach or brothers, but in the context, it's nephew and uncle. So we just have to be consistent with how these words are used in Scripture, and then we also have to look about how the tradition from the beginning understood this. Because remember, the New Testament comes from the church. It's not the other way around historically. So the brothers of Jesus are not references to blood brothers, but cousins or nearer relatives. Again, as we talked about earlier, Jesus says, who is my brother? Anybody who does the will of, uh, of, of the father is mother, sister, brother to me. So clearly he's not talking about exclusively blood brother. And that's why uh, the early church, Augustine, Jerome, Ambrose, that all the major uh, teachers of the early church clearly taught Mary's perpetual virginity, and that's why we have to follow that as well.
1: All right. Well, let's go back to the phones too. We'll take another call. Just a couple of minutes left. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. That's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. If you wanna, if you wanna grab us. But doctor, before I take calls, let me do this because I know how time will get by, and I always, I know one of your passions is always promoting devotion. Uh, to Our Lady of uh, of Amsterdam, Our Lady of All Nations, if you will, um, and uh, a beautiful prayer that we'll pray. I mean, we need this prayer more than ever in light of the degeneration, the disaster, the war that you know so many parts of the world are, are seeing. And I want to give that a plug because I know it's very important. And then we'll see if we can go back to calls time wise.
2: No, I appreciate it, Drew. Yeah, in fact, it's the prayer that's approved. You know, in, in December thirtieth of twenty twenty, the the status of the apparitions is. Neither confirmed, nor is it denied. It's what's called non constat. But the prayer has been repeatedly approved. The prayer is just a beautiful prayer asking Jesus to send the Holy Spirit into the world to prevent degeneration, disasters, and war, which are the headlines of today. So you know, I'd love to be able to pray that prayer. And anybody who wants the prayer free, um, a little Christmas gift going your way, please just uh, email us at Mary at peoples dot com. Mary at peoples dot com, or you can give us a call seven four zero nine three seven twenty two seventy seven, and we're happy to send you as many prayer cards as you want in, in in English and Spanish. It's just a really, as you say, Drew, it's such a critical prayer for today. So if I'm able to, would I be able to pray it now?
1: I would love it. Why don't you lead us? Okay,
2: great. let us pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Father. Send now your Spirit over the earth. Let the Holy Spirit live in the hearts of all nations, that they may be preserved from degeneration, disasters, and war. May the Lady of all nations, the Blessed Virgin Mary, be our advocate. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: I've been throwing in the word disease there, too, you know, protect us from, you know. Yeah, right. You know, You're absolutely
2: just, right, because she is COVID. our advocate for all That's, of that. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right.
1: All right. So Mother of All People, at Mother, give me the web address, Mary at com, right?
2: That's it. Mary at com. Just put your name and address, how many prayer cards you want. You'll get them uh, within 10 days. We'll, we'll, we'll give a little breather for a uh, break. But, yeah, free of charge. We'd love to get them out to you. You can pass them out. Uh, it's a prayer I believe, uh, really brings forth the Spirit from Jesus uh, before the throne of God. It's a very beautiful, powerful, anointed prayer.
1: You know, you and I, and and, and Dave and everyone on hold, I appreciate your patience. I'll see if I can get you on. But uh, I just want to hit on another issue, because I had shared at the very beginning of the year. You and I had talked, I'm just reminiscing, this is Cainsbury, about a year or two ago. When COVID had hit, and Operation Warp Speed came out, President uh, Trump at the time had uh, gotten a million vaccines out and everybody was kind of positive on the fact that, you know, COVID was going to end. The Biden administration took over. Part of the Biden campaign was to, you know, get everyone out of this dark winter of COVID. Of course, uh, you said to me, because we have a mutual friend who is a victim soul. She suffers a lot, especially for, Mm -hmm. uh, and this prayer is very important to her. I know our lady said that this prayer should be prayed, um, that this was not going to end, that we were going to continue to see. Um, as soon as we think we have a handle on it, something else would arise. And what did we see? You know, we saw Delta on the, on the heels of that. You've got Omicron now, and, and, and it's continuing. So um, we're living in troubled times. I don't know what the future holds, Dr. But clearly, we need to turn to Our Lady at this time, and I, I think that prayer is such an important one in, in light of it. And I meant to call you and say, hey, <laughs> what's she sensing for the future now? You know, I can't wait that COVID yeah. is over, but um, yeah, I think we need real repentance um, and, and real conversion in this country if we're going to you know, really see the mercy of God.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree, Drew, and, and we, we've got to be praying perhaps like never before. Yeah. Uh, there's other letters in the Greek alphabet, um, and so we may not be over this, and that can be okay if we're united to the hearts of Jesus and Mary. We can make it through anything. That's, that's first. It's, it's our soul's health that we're first concerned about, and of course, we're, we're prudentially yeah. concerned about our bodies, but that stuff's out of our control. What's in our yeah. control is to have a peace that comes from the hearts of Jesus and Mary, and that prayer is a powerful prayer that our Lady has indeed repeatedly asked. We pray every day.
1: Amen to that. Well, Doctor, I'm out of time for the day, actually for the year, but thank you very much for being with me. Always a delight to share this time with you to promote devotion to Our Lady, and I look forward to what the new year has for the both of us. So keep us in your prayers, okay? And I'll ask everyone listening to pray for you as well.
2: Thanks so much, Drew. God bless and big Merry Christmas to
1: you. Merry Christmas to you. That's Dr. Mark Maravalli. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon all throughout the year, over the years. I look forward to what God has in store. On behalf of my whole team, Merry Christmas.